We're back, baby. <laughs> well, <laughs> the world seriously needed more Hermes of Reason content, everybody. So we're here to solve that Thank problem. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, I know. I've been waiting for Chris to do another episode with me, but he's like over it, you know. And like, I gotta get like some other some other guy who's gonna buy my my bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have these funny short videos around critical rationalism. Maybe tell us about the inspiration for doing them first. You did them a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's been it's been a little while. Yeah, I mean, like what three years? It's nothing. Come on. Yeah, I know it's been something like two or three years. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, what inspired me to do them was the ideas that I were doing them about were inspiring. I mean. David Deutsch's book, The Beginning of Infinity, was um, a game changer for me. I just thought, like, worldview-wise. And, yeah, and, and, I, and I also thought that what was needed, because uh, intellectual stuff in general just has this such ivory towery connotation that it's like, you better not say the word, you know... <laughs> insert any cuss word here you know or you know whatever um in in an academic thing and and, and i mean and i i'm saying that for comedic effect I, in other words i think that um there was this uh lack of sort of comedy tied to intellectual stuff like not taking ourselves too seriously meanwhile i'm naming myself hermes of, of the hermes of reason no but like i i think that there's just a um there was a niche that I wanted to see filled and I experimented with that and it was fun and I would like to continue and I will continue to experiment with that. Um, so I saw that like the sort of niche that needed to be filled as well with comedy mixed with intellectual stuff. And I'm planning on adding on to that niche with other things uh, with future stuff. But yeah, so I jumped on that opportunity as well, other than just the intrinsic interestingness. Yeah, that was definitely a pretty good niche and, yeah, like seeing you fill that, I think that was perfect. Like adding comedy and just more fun to more fun. Some, yeah, right. Yeah, more fun. Yeah, and <laughs> like doing that, I think that was fantastic. So those videos, Thanks. I definitely keep watching them over and over again until you. <laughs> Thank you. That man, I appreciate that. That's very, very kind words. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd, I'd like to think they're good too. You, I mean, you you messaged me saying, Hey, I watched them. I got obsessed with them recently. And I go back and I'm like, hey, these are actually kind of good. And I like, <laughs> did I forget that I was making like pretty good videos? I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you make these comedy videos, sometimes like, like a person might critique them saying like, you know, but are you like for adding simplicity? Are you like losing the important stuff? Is that, somewhat happening do you find yourself like having to go like much deeper when you're trying to be funny with these ideas or is it like sort of normal for you because you're just funny <laughs> uh i think actually the latter i'm sorry to say uh makes me sound even more full of myself than saying yeah i made amazing videos no but like um i i, I found at one point that my mind just works on an auto joke level so it, it there's like this tremendous effortlessness in joking for me it just that's just the way that my i don't you know I, and and i've also found there are times when like i feel very different from that side of myself actually i feel very kind of like more um i don't know about just purely cerebral but more serious and like intellectual or experiential or something like that because actually i think that it's kind of funny to say or like admit as a comedian quote unquote is um comedy can often be a way of like not delving deeper into a thing. And so like, um, be it like, you know, you're laughing something off, but really like it hurts you or whatever, you know, um, like, like, like various kinds of that stuff, I, I think is actually kind of common. Um, uh, that said, humor is just so much fun, great and fulfilling, uh, just on like a deeply human level. And so, um, but, but also to me, so is, uh, I don't know, exploring the philosophical and, and stuff like that and or maybe the more serious or whatever you want to call it. But um but yeah, so I'm not I'm not sure. Did I was that your question? Yeah, like <laughs> well it was sort of my question, like how how do you 
go deeper into these ideas. Like when I see them, yeah. when I see your videos, like you are explaining things to a deep level, but then some people would be like, when you're right. adding comedy, you might be mistaking like simplicity for like a deeper oh, yeah. sense of knowledge. For me, I guess what's the answer there now I get your question more is that the answer is um, I feel like the depth of the ideas do the work for themselves. And all I need to do is articulate them as such. And the, the, the depth, you know, does its own work, I feel like. Um, but also, I'm, you know, I'm just interested in deep ideas. I'm interested in what's true factually, morally, and how those things can connect and, you know, uh, the, the, the nature of reality and stuff like that. So, you know, there's an element of just probably a personal of me just being very interested in the nature of reality as well. So I'm trying my best to, uh, to say things as they're intended to be said, but to convey the ideas. I mean, like, it was really amazing to have the feeling of, so like, you know, like I mentioned, I was on Christopher's podcast a few times, especially like early on. And, and David Deutsch was just like retweeting those um, episodes. And, and I just was like, am like, I guess I'm just doing, I'm doing it justice, right? I must be doing it justice. But anyway, so, so yeah, I think there's this personal feeling of just being into the nature of reality and, and, and the ideas work for themselves. And also I just joke automatically. So that's my answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Having an intellectual hero, you retweet your stuff. Yeah. Cool stuff. Oh dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that's, can I just say real quick that it is actually kind of bizarre because most intellectual heroes I feel like are dead for most people <laughs> and, and David, he's thriving baby, but like, yeah, I don't know. He's, um, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's just kind of weird. I actually feel a little bit shy about hitting him up even personally. Cause it's like, I can't believe somebody, I don't know. I'm now I'm, I'm getting real fanboy, but I, I'm like, I'm, I'm like twiddling my thumbs right now and being like, Oh geez, I can't believe he's, he's so great and he's still alive. No, but anyway, but yeah, yeah, I, Sorry, David, if you're listening to this and expecting you to be dead or something, that's not that's not what I mean. Um, <laughs> but just yeah, no, there, there's I, it, it's it's really cool. Um, yeah, that, that David is out there and accessible through Twitter. Like you wrote your blog post, which I loved about how just how accessible. I don't know people that you're interested in their thoughts are, and they're like kind of alien to your local environment, and just how amazing it is that you could just build that you know, community and, and everything, uh, just by reaching out. Like, and that's one of the things I love about Twitter. Twitter has been that for me for a long time, actually. It's, it's like you could easily, not that celebrities are, are the priests of society, although there is many of us who do think that, but like, you could easily just, you know, hit up a celebrity and they'll like reply to your tweet. Like it's nothing. And it's just like, Oh my God, did that person just tweet? Anyway? Yeah. The, the information flow, uh, that Twitter gives, thank God for Elon buying it, by the way, just going to shout that out. Um, yeah. Anyway, it, it's, it's amazing. And to see David on Twitter, I guess is what I'm getting at. Like, you know, he, I feel like he's, he's this guy on Twitter and you can kind of just reach out to him. Did you reach out to him on Twitter? Cause I know you've talked to him. Not on Twitter, but through gotcha. email, okay. I think. Yeah. Uh, okay. well that's, that's old school, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but he, but he's old school. So he still checks it. <laughs> But yeah, most of the good stuff for me around this uh, whole critical rationalist community has happened on Twitter because right. I feel like the whole community also takes the idea of taking children seriously very seriously. And like, yeah, so I I'm like still sort of a child, like 16. And um, yeah, I'm like, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> For where but, you are in your life, no, 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 you're, dude, you're, you're, you're killing it, man. I know you're, you're at a great point in your life. <laughs> cool. So yeah, I mean, just seeing people take me seriously and like take my ideas seriously, and you know, just making me feel so much well, so welcome in the whole community, and yeah, obviously, right? people, yeah, people are so compassionate. Yeah. Would you say you've seen taking children seriously in practice? <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, interesting. And I, and I think. Like, David is one of those people who's, like, I, I don't want to, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I can say best, but, like, just, he, he just takes those ideas very, very seriously. And, like, mm -hmm. sure, he, like, sort of started the whole thing, but he's, mm -hmm. like, taking them seriously into practice, and he's just showing it so yeah. I can see it happen, and, like, it's just amazing. 
It is amazing, yeah. And in fact, just to share a little quick story, if you don't mind, an antidote. Um, I was walking my dog today, and I walked by this, like, you know, this dad and his two daughters, I think it was, and um, one of the little girls was like, that's a cute dog. And it's just like, and it's just like, and I was like, yeah, thank you. Isn't she cute? And, and like, I just had such a lovely interaction with this kid that I, and it just gave me this, I don't actually interact with kids that much and um, not yet anyway. Um, and I just got this interesting feeling of how different it is. And this girl was, I mean, this girl was like, I don't know, five or something like that. She was really young, right? She's like a kid kid, you know? And, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just it was like it's just a totally different flavor to experience, and it's it's lovely to just kind of take whatever they're saying. I, I, look, I'm doing the brand thing by saying take what they're saying seriously, just repeating that mantra. But like, there really is something to that of like how that feels, um, and and to see their response, like you actually feel like you connect with another person, you know, and it's yeah. a beautiful freaking thing. And, um, and there's just like the vast innocence that they embody and like how silly it is. It's just, there's, it's just so fun. I don't know. Kids are great, <laughs> but you're not, you're not a kid kid, Arjun. That's the thing. Like, you know, you're, you're well on your way, if not kind of already at the young adult phase, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you are no longer able to be taken seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I've, I've totally thrown you off track. You wanted to talk about certain. Like, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no problem. I mean, next thing on the list was like, you know, with David Deutsch, people who understand him, and like when they hear another Deutschen talk about stuff, it all just clicks. But yeah. for the layperson, like that person just isn't dealing with the similar pool of explanations, you know. So it's harder right. for them to understand even the simple words that have profound meanings laid out to them yeah exactly this is almost an instance where semantics is a good thing to say <laughs> you know whenever somebody's like semantics it's like this is you know irrelevant or not not a good productive argument but i feel like the semantics the meanings of the words that david chooses well popper chose you know po problems and you know explanation and stuff like that but then david you know carries f further um yeah they do a lot of work on their own you know of course, not just the words, but the explanations underneath them is is perhaps the more important thing. Of well, of course it is, but but I'm just saying, like you know, even the words you use, such as problem, like it evokes such a kind of different uh, visceral feeling for most people, and I think it even does maybe for some Popperians still. Like I'm I'm still like in every level of my life where I'm like this thing is a problem in that normal sense of the word. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not looking that really Popperianly. You know, I'm I, I'm actually seeing that problem as like this, you know, this burden, this insurmountable thing or whatever. Um, so I don't know, and that's it's been like five years since I've read the beginning of Infinity, and kind of like the the thesis really hit me, and it kind of started to trickle to the rest of my life. Five years later, I'm still finding out where I'm being like authoritarian or something. You know, uh, so so uh, that's been an interesting journey, and and it, the, the ideas are so deep that you know, to really, to really let it, let them penetrate like every side of you or whatever you want to call it. Um, it actually could take a while, um, to see like when it come, comes up and you're like sort of, cause I, I don't know, I think there is a tendency to wear ideas sort of like a fashion. And I think that I would even say that for myself, I'm like, yeah, I'm an optimist, but then I'm, I'm over here like, like stuck on the same thing that I've been on for like ages in this way where it's like, I'm, I don't know. I'm not, I'm trying to keep it personal without going into too much of the details, but like, but, but yeah, but basically uh, seeing that I kind of wear optimism. Well, <clears throat> it's not that I wear it as a garb per se, but in this particular, like there are particular situations in my life where I realize I'm not being an optimist and it's like, Oh, okay, well let's, let's get consistent with that. And then that's its own process. And, and yeah. So anyway, I guess that's, yeah, a testimony to the depth of the ideas and, um, and just how different it is from the way that other people think, even just with words like problems and, and even with words like optimism. And, um, um, again, it's not so important that like the words are only important insofar as the explanation behind them. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, a culture clash as they say, uh, when you're speaking Deutschian 
and I know David doesn't like that term, but when you're speaking Deutsch and everybody else is speaking Normie or whatever the language is. Yeah, let's talk about that, okay? So, uh, Charlie, are you a Deutschen? I because David as I've heard secondhand <laughs> doesn't like the the term um I'm going to respectfully say no but you know but let's be honest of course I am what come on <laughs> Yeah I mean sorry David <laughs> <laughs> I totally let you down I, that was that was ridiculous I mean no <laughs> Very, like I think like I've been thinking about how being a Deutschen is sort of ironic, like mm -hmm. you know, because the whole idea is non-tribalism or just whatever, and I we're adding right, right, right. So, yeah, maybe I, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah, what 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 would you prefer the answer be? Like I'm I'm human, motherfucker, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um. <laughs> Yeah, adding the term Deutschen, I, I think it's fine for like you know identifying your tribe, not like tribe. Again, that sounds so. Arjun, that sounds so wrong. How dare you? You're contradicting yourself. I am. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like that's probably the reason why David doesn't like it himself. Like maybe it's yeah, not. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe it's not like because it's his name and he doesn't want all that stuff, but. Yeah, like, it might be that it's just not understanding what he's had to talk about, or, like, sort of understanding, but then you're having a different explanation for why you're a Deutschen or Papirian or someone like that. Yeah, I guess it's just, you know, uh, as the Papirian ought to emphasize, we need not be essentialist about this. And, and just, <laughs> just, and just, like, I think it's just to emphasize a a corner of thought uh yeah, that, yeah. in contrast to its you know rivals or whatever you want to call it you know like we say critical rationalist because um it's saying we're not dogmatists we're also not relativists here's the the middle way uh you know it's 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 a yeah brands can it's like a brand and, and it just like sort of denotes so Deutschian is kind of a brand again i'm so sorry david um <laughs> mcdonald's you should buy this brand right now no okay um yeah, no, I, I, I just yeah yeah elon yeah um i just think that uh uh it it denotes stuff that may or may not be relevant and may or may not be helpful um, but it nonetheless denotes stuff. It denotes a worldview, and uh, to use terms like that, I don't. I, I, it need not divide us, and and I I prefer, of course, that it not. Um, so yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I see your point, but it it just I don't know. Depends on like who's what, who you're interacting with, and what their intuitions are about divvying things up like that. And I don't know. You get into this meta discussion with them, and then you just see your. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Now, you're one of the cool people who've been impacted by David Deutsch's ideas in a profound way, of course. And I get <laughs> one of the few, I get one of the few cool people. Red Hall, Red Hall, you are outside of the cool people. I'm I'm now as a as cool person number one, I am setting Brett Hall aside. I'm just kidding, Brett. I love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I get that Continue. I get that feeling. I get that feeling, you know, because I was I was one of those cool people too. We're both cool people. So well, there you go. Yeah, we are cool people. All right, great podcast, Arjun. You see you next time. Next one is Cool People Part Two. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on, Charlie. Homie, homie's a freezer. It was great, great having you on. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. <laughs> anyway, so it's sort of hard to think about all the things you learned from the beginning of Infinity and related works, but let's try and ask you the things David Deutsch changed your mind about or made you rethink. Uh, you just want me to launch into it? Yeah, let's go with a list. Let, let, let's go with the list and we'll like go deep into every point. Okay, cool. Um, and then every point about the point. Yeah, no. Um, I think that uh <laughs> I think that um I well, okay, yeah. That's kinda like saying, um 
you know, when you first tried chocolate, what did you think about chocolate? You know, and it's like, well, I mean, like I didn't know chocolate before. No, no, no. Well, I like, like it's a whole new worldview, and so it kind of made me rethink everything. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, but you know, it's not like I didn't know anything. Like I was, I was left to work with the stuff that I did th- thought I knew, such as Trump bad, such as meditation good, such as you know. I don't know. Like, like again, if you've read the beginning of Infinity, you know there's nothing about fucking Trump in there. Or like, you know, and it's and it's just a it's a deep it's a book about very deep ideas that it's like okay, well, what else follows from this? And so I'm just like applying it to all these different things, right? That are kind of more, for whatever reason, you know, immediate in my um, ways of thinking and stuff. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. And 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 I just. You know, I feel like this sounds kind of simplistic, but I, I, I shit you not just the popper question of who, like the, the question of who should rule is the wrong question, that whole thing and how it, how it shifts to how can we actually just correct institutional errors and remove bad leaders without violence. And um, <clears throat> just the shift of that question got me to completely rethink like Trump stuff. And um as I alluded to, I was like pretty on the anti-Trump train and I left the anti-Trump train as a result of the beginning, you know, and this is not the answer you're expecting. We don't have to get into Trump, but, <laughs> but, but like, yeah, no, I it, like even something like that for me um, to, to put it sort of briefly and we can get into it if you want, but um was affected and then like i said meditation was a big like so when i read the beginning of infinity five years ago uh so it would have been like summer of 2017 i think it was like the th- second or third time i actually read it like i finally got it like after reading it just a few times <laughs> because it, you know it might take a while to digest which it did and it does for a lot of people um i was actually meditating two hours a day when i was reading that and so that was a meditating was a big part of my life then and I had epistemological questions that weren't necessarily at least consciously related to meditation, namely, like, how do we know? <laughs> like, how do we, how do we know what we know and, and all that stuff. And so um, I went on this sort of deep dive into Socratic stuff. I, I got really into platonic dialogues because that's like most of the Socrates content. And I just felt like Socrates knew some shit, didn't he? Like, come on. That, that that better be the guy that knows stuff. And I went back and the whole I don't know thing, because I, I think that's really, I don't know, that was very compelling. And anyway, long story short, um, I was like, oh, yeah, like a couple of years ago, I read The Beginning of Infinity and there was like the Socrates dialogue in that. And I went back and read that. And I was like, this is exactly what I was looking for, because it made se- it it didn't take like justification of stuff for granted. It actually looked at justificationism and was like, well, this is actually wrong. And here's why. And here's the better thing. And so, um, yeah, I mean, like, so to maybe state the obvious, again, especially if you're familiar with the books, my epistemology changed. Um, and that's why the worldview changed. The, the epistemology is just, uh, it's hard to overstate how fundamental of a role it can play in our in our ways of being and, and thinking in the world. So, um, yeah, and then I, I don't know, it, it gave me this flavor of, to everything I was like intellectually interested in or morally concerned about or however you may phrase it. Like it just brought this new, uh, like the default was that I could be wrong. Um, and, and, and then, yeah, I don't know. So that, that was just like this very interesting experience and there were a lot of things that it touched on. So. Yeah. And definitely like the whole philosophy flows into a lot of areas as well, like taking children seriously and, Exactly. Yeah, I'm curious to hear about meditation as well, but like right. you, you talked about Trump and meditation, which like sort of seemed like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were like specific problems that were problems to you. And I've like sort of thought right. about this recently that your problems are the biggest problems in the world. And yeah, that, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the, the fact that you were thinking about them, like, you know, you were reading a book that was uh that helped you solve your specific problem situation right and maybe helped you solve it so let's talk about that like i've tried meditation for a while now but uh it's not 
straightforward to get common ground between the teachings and practice of mindfulness and then epistemology, mm -hmm. which is thinking about thinking, knowledge, and all that. So is there a way you link mm -hmm. them? Right. So I guess coming back to when I first was exposed to the Deutschian, again, I'm sorry, David, worldview, and and meshing that with the two-hour-long daily meditations. Actually, it was like one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening or something. And I um, there were questions about what I was experiencing and could experience in meditation that I had that related to epistemology. So like um, when a Theravada practitioner says like, and, and I'm not necessarily ascribing this idea to Theravada teachings, I just, I'm just going off of my memory here. Something like, um, you know, listen to the sound as it, as it is, just listen to that sound. Right. So like whatever the sounds are, just listen to those sounds. Right. And so for me, what was implied in that was, and, and again, this may not be the case for every meditation teacher, but what I was hearing, it was sounding like they were trying to point at a direct experience type thing. And, and I was, and when I digested the Popperian worldview, I was like, oh, okay. So there's no such thing as direct experience. And that somehow meshes well with with like the the flimsiness of well that's maybe a weird word to describe it but just like unreliable our senses are you know and to go like into something like a sound and like try to hear it in all its detail and and see that as somehow like base reality again maybe i'm making like too many assumptions about you know I, I, what what different meditation teachers and and practices might say is actually revealing anything about reality. You know, I think, who did I hear? I heard some person recently say like, and it was like a meditation person. And they were like, don't take anything that I'm saying to say anything about reality. This is just um, practical for right now in terms of experimenting with your mind and, and, and stuff like that. Or, and so there's different ways of looking at what's, what, what if any consensus there is in the meditation community about what's being pointed out uh, with things like paying attention to your sensations. So, um, yeah, so, okay. This is a, a, a long-winded way of just getting at the fact that empiricism was false. Okay. So now how do I interpret those, um, zoning in on those sensations like sound or whatever. And, um, I was like, wow. So those are just guesses that my mind is making. Okay. That somehow tracks with my intuitions. Um, what is what about the self stuff like what is this no self stuff like how does that even fit because you know sam harris is this very popular and i i you know was definitely a follower of his at this time you know he, in terms of somebody who's out there talking about meditation and and what it's revealing and how deep that is and you know this so this whole thing about no self like that's supposed to be like this deep thing and I don't know. For some reason, I just couldn't understand how that got reconciled. I, I didn't even know how to think about the self per se, but now I'm like, oh, I have this new view of people. So a person is universal explainer or a personal is, sorry, a person is universal. And so it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to see how that might fit into the meditation worldview somehow in terms of the nature of, of the mind that they describe. Um, again, I'm, I'm probably being way too long-winded here. So the thing that I see as a connection between certain kinds of meditation and epistemology is there are themes of like accepting any thought that arises in, in strands of meditation. And I think that that is basically being universal in practice. Um, it is, if we are universal, that means it is the nature of our minds to be able to think any thought. So to be able to think any thought means we should allow ourselves to, to be that way. And so I, I think that um, meditation somehow gets at that. And, and also, yeah, but, so, but, but that said, I, I think it is worth highlighting how different meditation teachers and practices teach sort of different emphases um, and different, different practices, because I think some do lean in the, in the direction of relativism and some can lean in the direction of foundationalism Whereas I have found certain things in meditation teachings, perhaps just generally speaking, that seem to speak to what David talks about as being the nature of the mind and 
just the um just the sort of epistemological uh stuff about um yeah i'm trying to think of how to quickly summarize that but yeah uh, well i hope that makes sense yeah. <laughs> so far <laughs> feel free to well, ask any clarifying questions sure so with the direct experience stuff like you know you understand that observations are theory laden and you know their their empiricism is just sort of wrong and so how do you go from there to like the aspect of the self like were you already you know into that meditation space where you were just looking at stuff and your direct experience and just taking it all as it was yeah i mean like i tried to buy into what the people i was i was listening to were saying like there is no self and like what that highlights you know so like the way that that's usually framed like with sam harris and stuff it's like the self in terms of the feeling that you're this thing in your head right actually start expanding your awareness to everything else in your you know qualia you know in your consciousness everything else in your mind be it uh, and now i'm going to sound a little alexander technique which is a sort of different thing um but uh be aware of the space behind you be aware of the space above you be and like and kind of notice how all of your mind content uh th there's there's so much of it <laughs> and 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 in a fundamental way, like it is your mind. And so, um, but, but that maybe even that idea of it is your mind, like it, it still sort of can imply this, like that homunculus in, in the mind thing, but no, you are your mind, which is to say perhaps that you are just as much as that feeling in your head as you are, as the view of that tree outside. Those two things are no more, you know, more or less you, you know, yeah. uh, than the other. And, um, I find that to be just kind of really an interesting framework. I don't, I don't think I don't go all that way sort of conceptually, but I, I do see like what that's pointing out. And it's just pointing out like this sort of expansion to what you identify with. And I would say it, it kind of gets you off your foundationalist, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> podium and, and, and you kind of just like, are like, Oh, I, I don't have to be this concrete certain thing i don't need certainty like i could just open up to everything that might be happening right now whatever it is now then there's a danger i think which there are meditation teachers who take advantage of this of going into full-on relativism it's like you know the you just blow away with the wind you know you, there, you, there's now there's no more you to the extent that there's nothing worth uh being in the first place or something like that you know and and it, which is almost like anti-human right but okay anyway it's this it's this whole thing but but yeah so i think that there is an interesting middle ground that cr provides epistemologically that certain meditation practices provide in terms of kind of how to deal with thoughts and sensations in your own mind and so i don't but i don't think it goes like not everybody who gets meditation in this way becomes a critical rationalist like i think it's really nice to have both critical rationalism which is more of like the intellectual frame and then this non-dual meditation stuff which is kind of like the somehow experiential frame or an experiential frame of the same basic thing um and yet yeah, namely the universality of mind i think if you're to put it in one way that's the basic thing they're both getting at um anyway that's my attempt to quickly answer. That was, yeah, that was a nice answer to like find common ground. I think it's still working with some explanations there, but yeah, it was, yeah, 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 sure. It was cool. Yeah, cool to discuss that. But could you take us to Mars now from meditation? <laughs> we discussed this before the podcast, otherwise, that would just sound like, yeah. Well, yeah, so I think, okay, so well, it, not meditation as such per se look at me saying as such per se next to each other um i just think that um the thing that i'm getting at that meditation might help with is something like creative blocks now i think there are many more psychotechnologies if you want to give them a fancy name many more psychotechnologies such as alexander technique and internal family systems um their uh, chakras probably are some level of this same thing um again not all people who talk about chakras get it in this way but you know um 
Yeah, and I'm I'm really open to that. But like basically, anything that works with creative blocks that that helps solve creative blocks is thus unleashing creativity, which is like the most powerful force in the universe, the multiverse. Sorry, um, and I just think that if we're to go to Mars <laughs> or anywhere in the universe, if we're to expand, expand, um, we, we should probably solve things like mental health, <laughs> you know, and, and like, and, you know, anything adjacent to that, which believe it or not, I think that even things, yeah, things like epistemology, meditation, IFS, which is a psychotherapy, you know, probably certain psychedelic stuff, uh, you know, people have had certain kinds of experiences on psychedelics, which have kind of like, uh, opened them up and and then made them rethink things but you know also to the contrary again like the meditation teachers but um the point is is that if we're to take us to mars via meditation <laughs> i don't fucking know how we're gonna do that but but no the point is <laughs> we levitate there no, no no but the point is is that um yeah i think when we're talking about like so uh, the fermi paradox right so the fermi problem why aren't there uh, aliens here and, and that kind of thing? And, and you know, you and I talked last weekend and you told me that making humans interplanetary is like one of the most important problems that you want to solve. And and um, that notion to, to take one species interplanetary and, and all that, um, you know, that's the thing we expect to see in the Fermi problem. And again, the, yeah, Fermi problem is just like, you know, why haven't aliens been here? Blah, 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 other variables. Um, and yeah, it's like, so what drives a civilization to do that and what could prevent them from doing that? And, and that's maybe the, the key darker question of what prevents a civilization from going interplanetary and, and beyond. And I think creative blocks are a vastly underappreciated. Um, uh, yeah, I don't mean, I don't mean just like writer's blocks. I mean, although that could be an example, but I just mean... I, it sounds maybe a little too like serious and grim, but I do mean mental health, you know? Um, I, and, and, and I also mean just like the way that we hold ideas, our epistemologies and, and everything. I think there's just connections with all that stuff. And, and so, yeah, in other words, um, what if, <laughs> what if one of the main reasons why we don't see aliens out there is because uh, there are very few, if any, uh, TCS cultures, <laughs> you know, taking children seriously, because if, Taking children seriously is arguably something that the Future of Humanity Institute should be working on because of its existential risk probability uh, heightening factor. Because you're, if you're if you're teaching people that they should be in a coerced world and they're coercing themselves and they're not being as creative, they're not solving the problems, and boom, you get nuked, you know, or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just see this whole kind of um, connection there with that that is uh, again underappreciated i guess with creative blocks and expanding as a species and in, in a good way of course we're assuming that's good that's a good thing which i agree with yeah let's go bitch future of humanity or brand <laughs> but <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah um i think with the creative blocks like when you're talking about mental health and all that um it's sort of more in the mind like the creative blocks in the mind and yes of course like the other kinds of barriers to creativity can be the, you know, the general explanations uh, that are embedded in the culture. So, like, you know, there's this whole idea about statism and dynamic uh, cultures. And so, like, maybe we can delve into that. Like, what are some barriers to creativity as well? Like, these are, like, blocks. And how do you dif differentiate between these ones that are sort of in the mind, but then again, like, the other ones they sort of again have to be in individuals minds but they sort of embedded in the culture as well yeah um i think the impact that culture has and the impact that an individual mind has uh, are both vastly underappreciated for their influence um it, yeah it's it's um but and and it's hard for me to say which one is more influential. I think these things are actually are actually a, a lot more bound up than than we might otherwise think. Because um, you know, as David argues in the beginning of Infinity, our minds evolved via memes, um, via shared cultural stuff. So 
if the if an individual mind is that sort of fundamentally maybe only historically i don't know but like you know fundamentally in 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 one way that we understand you know tied to culture then you know it's almost like the mind is intrinsically cultural so yeah but um anyway shit i i think i'm forgetting the, what the other part of your question was <laughs> no uh like how do you tie them both together right uh just the individual so yeah that was a nice way to put it like putting like we might be intrinsically like cultural in a sense and these creative blocks like just i was just asking what are some barriers to creativity and like right. you know some some people get into the specifics like you know school is a barrier to creativity but like just going beyond that and getting a bigger picture world view like there are certain ideas that are barriers to creativity not necessarily school yeah school is a barrier to like a certain level but the like beyond like at a higher level does like just these ideas of static societies so yeah right so um okay i'm looking for a tweet actually uh to 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 give me the the exact tweet cuz i want to give it it's fair dues but um to answer your question yeah so i'm not finding it so okay i think the most pernicious idea is often a rather implicit one or inexplicit one where we doubt ourselves not only to the extent that we're doubting our ideas but we're doubting our own capacity to generate good ideas um so anything so like i i've been a, i've followed a nick camarada on twitter um and uh, a couple years ago nick camarada was tweeting very interesting things about his experience on MDMA and self-love and what that self-love unlocked for him just like on various creative levels and just personal levels and everything and it was like like really I think legendary Twitter thread that that he did documenting a lot of this he I think he did several but anyway um so I I'm gonna you know push a little bit of self-help here and say that self-love actually I think is the a counterpart or solution uh, to one of the worst creative blocks, which is um, uh, just the fundamental distrust of oneself to generate good ideas. Because um, if you're thinking about it, that's like that's like a virus getting to the most vital organ. You know, like that's that's as malignant as an intellectual slash emotional and i think those things are much more tied than we realize uh that, that's that's just as deep as a as a impression of of the way the world is as one can have so if i believe fundamentally that the way the world is is that i can't do x or, or whatever it is maybe not just a particular thing but but you know anything like yeah so that that's why i emphasize mental health because i think mental health is like kind of all about that stuff more or less i you know um i know that there's a tendency to neuroscience everything and reductionize the exploit like it's so all it's just like chemical imbalance but i think it goes a lot deeper i think it you know i see tcs taking children seriously as solving this or trying to preemptively avoid this situation where you end up with a person who doubts themselves in like this fundamental way so yeah, I, I and and there are a lot of things in culture that encourage that and or that try to give alternatives, but they're like just as bad in like a different way or you know. So um, but yeah, uh, I think that's like the key one. The, that's the key th creative block, as it were. But I think that the way that the mind, the mind, the body mind, I would even say, I think the mind and the body are a lot more one thing these days. Um, the way that this stuff happens as it gets stored in the body in certain places like i th like uh besser bender kolk i think is his name um he wrote this book called the body keeps the score and so i think like you know it's not just about self-doubt in the head it's about like self-doubt in the gut you know and that's mm -hmm. where i would bring in like a chakra type thing because there's <laughs> like there's a chakra in the gut so they say um and i think that all that stuff is getting at is the places where this trauma or trauma adjacent stuff is being stored and that has all this relevance for, um, I don't know, everything. <laughs> like in our ability to function and and even a thing like the future of humanity. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about all that stuff, but like definitely. <laughs> I don't know about that chakra shit. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but <clears throat> so, uh, self-limiting, you know, self-limiting beliefs tend to become self-limiting prophecies. Right. I'd say, and so right, right, right. Like, yeah, working with those and like just, I mean, again, with sort of getting when you're talking about meditation, it's more like you're being more thoughtful instead of yeah. being, you know, just letting go of all your thoughts or uh, just all that right. stuff. And uh, I think like when you're agree, yeah. getting yourself some more constraints, like in a good way, they're non-coercive. Like we have to specify that because, you know, we just have to specify that. Uh, and be, getting yeah. constraints that are non-coercive can be good for progress. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that. Like, how can we, you know, keep making progress through better and better constraints, maybe? And like, without constraints, it's sort of just, it's just all happening and it's pretty hard to go ahead and make some. Yeah, I feel progress. like saying, I feel like saying no constraints is similar to saying have no theories. It's like, well, what, then what do I do? You know, what do I even criticize? You know, if I got to have constraints to have something to criticize, first of all, and also, yeah, they could just help generate new ideas as well. Um, cause they themselves are hopefully tentative, you know, ideas about, you know, what should and should be done. And it's not the case, whatever. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. How do, I mean, you're sorry, just to clarify your question is like, how do we make more progress or like what, like, how do we get rid of these constraints or. No, we don't want to get rid of these. Like we, we don't want to get rid of good constraints. Right? I, I, so my brain suddenly said, um, constraints is in the mental blocks we were talking about earlier, but yeah, no, I get you. Right, right, right. It's hard to say. I mean, this kind of reminds me of how David says, you know, how like or how against giving advice he is, you know, uh, because like I I don't know what your problems are. Um, obviously, I could say the stuff of like, well, solve them and and conjecture new criticisms and new conjectures. You know, I could say all that shit, but like that's not going to help you, you know. And but but I but definitely like you know, as David says in the book. Um, the speedier the progress, the better. Um, but also, you know, don't judge yourself for that, <laughs> you know, like, uh, whatever, like, yeah, I, it's, it's hard to give a, such a general and effective, at least in this point in my, my thinking about these problems, um, I don't have a very good, uh, answer to that. Um, you know, but, um, it's obviously of concern to me and interest and importance, I think, in in the broader sense of just yeah um i think this goes you know i i i, I deal with my own personal stuff and that i feel like you know i don't want to be making videos about my own personal stuff uh and uh but i'm kind of feeling like i'm at the point where i can make more videos now i can make more of the general points and um well still giving examples but yeah so i mean like that's i, I don't know I, I i mean again there's there's all kinds of things i could say follow your dreams kid you know, come on, like, was this a fucking Disney movie? No, but, but yeah, no, but, but seriously, like, I, I mean, uh, progress good. That's what I would say. <laughs> so deep. So deep. Yeah. Charlie, what do you think about the meaning of life? What do I think about the meaning of life? I guess it depends what you mean by life. Like, do you mean like my life, like, like our lives? Do you mean like the, the existence of biological living creatures? I think both of them, like, cause you're also a biological, ex like living creature, but yeah. No, -uh. no, I'm not a brain in a vat. I'm a brain in a vat, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Like, what do you think about the meaning of life question in general? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess I quibble about, you know, what we mean by life and meaning. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm one of those asshole philosophers. It's like, what do we mean by this? <laughs> no, but yeah, no, I look, if, I, if I'm to take that in a maybe kind of generic way, let's see, what is the meaning of life? Um, yeah, I, I think, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just continually confronted with the pr potential parochialness of one's answer because it's actually a really deep question. It, it, it could, that the answer to that question is ever evolving um, in, in some sense, or I would hope it, it is. And, um, you know, from moment to moment and from century to century, or, you know, uh, so 
let me let me actually give me a second let me actually think about this for a second <laughs> yeah um what is we need mean? to evolve beyond 42 the number 42 yeah that can't be the meaning <laughs> of my friend yeah for no yeah right uh, 42 that's my answer <laughs> um yeah <laughs> I'm the smartest being in the world. Wait, what was that? Dude, yeah, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, I loved that book so much. It's been so long since I've read that. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, meaning to life. But but yeah, I mean, I, I'm really trying to give like a better answer than what I've been giving. But because um, I care about that question, you know, and maybe maybe the thing right now, the right thing right now is just to kind of be in wonder and be in the question. I don't I don't need an I don't need to answer it. I think it's a wondrous question, and I love that. <laughs> Progress good. We can just keep it at that. Progress good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, that's We're cool. back, baby! <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, this was, this was awesome, having this conversation. Like, I, I forgot I was recording a podcast, like, you know, talking to Hell you. Hell yeah. Yeah, and that never happens, but yeah. <laughs> so glad to hear it. Cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's been a yeah. pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Really nice of you. Um, what you're doing is really, really great. Keep it going, and uh, I'll be around if you ever want to chat, uh, publicly or personally. So, yeah, sure. thank you for having me on. Thanks for being here. It was a pleasure chatting. How can people, uh, yeah, we'll put links to this in the description or somewhere. And how can people reach out to you or like, you know, just see your stuff? Are you on Twitter? Uh, put an F, put an F in the chat. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Hermes of Reason. Uh, I've got my YouTube channel. Oh man, I just realized I don't think I've properly labeled it Hermes of Reason. I'm going to do that right after this. A Hermes of Reason on YouTube. Um, like that's my name, but like, it's not the link anyway. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, I like, you know, Twitter is a good way of reaching me. So feel free. And, um, I love having fun conversations like with Arjun here. So, uh, I'm desperate for them. Please, please contact me. Yeah. Uh, pleasure having you on Charlie. This was awesome. Thanks so much for doing it. Absolutely. See you next time.